what's going on episode number 11 i wanted to start out by saying we are currently sitting at 298 listens total listens for the podcast which is great um 11 episodes um i've said it a couple times you know thanks everybody for participating for engaging for sending us your suggestions and your just all of it we appreciate it um Got some pretty cool ones lined up for the next couple weeks. We're going to do something pretty special for lucky number 13. Um, I'm going to keep all that a surprise. I'm pretty stoked about it. We're going to have uh, somebody sit in with us whom you are all very familiar with. So there's that. But this one, I'm calling it Memories and Movements. And the basic premise with this was to talk about bands and songs or albums um, that really were impactful and had a special place in all of our lives. Um, and I started working on this yesterday cause I just hadn't had a lot of time. And the reality is there's too many dimensions, but I tried to pick a, a handful It's a bit of an understatement, but, um, so that's the idea. Cause I started thinking about this and we were talking about it and like, it was pretty instantaneous for me when I started thinking about certain songs. I was like, damn, I remember exactly where I was, what I was doing, who I was with. Like, it's so, it's crazy to me that the music and memories are so tightly interwound together um and they are and it's it's it, it's pretty wild when you think about it um and i'll try to get to everybody that you know commented on the facebook um i'm probably going to just sort of paraphrase and um shorten it a little bit because i think we're already going to run probably a little bit over with this one which is totally fine not a big deal um so i'm just going to go for it right out of the gate here i remember i was i think it was eighth grade we were on a field trip to Toronto, and more specifically, we were in the a Museum of Science, I believe, um, and we were sort of like, I think we had just eaten lunch, um, sort of sitting in like a common area, and one of the chaperones was like was scrolling through some CDs, we had a little like boombox or whatever, and I'll admittedly, I'll admit this now, um, and this is, gosh, I don't know, how old are you in 8th grade, 14? Yeah. So we're talking... Oh, Jesus Christ, I don't even want to say the number, 24 years ago. <laughs> um, but anyway, so he, he pulls out the CD, and I, I was able to read the title on the CD, and it was the first Korn album. Oh, yeah. And at the time, I had heard of them, um, but, like, wasn't familiar, but was, like, trying to be cool and be like, oh, I love Korn. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he's like, oh, I'll, I'll put it on or whatever. And I'm going to tell you what, I mean, I don't think anybody's a stranger to the, the title track, Blind. Um, but I heard that, and that instantly changed the way i felt about music like i just had never heard anything up leading up to that i hadn't even actually listened to that much heavy music i, I was i don't want to say late to the game because i wasn't i think around like 12 years old i had started to get into like um the stuff that we all started on you know what i mean like metallica and yeah. like early dream theater yeah. yep. um a little bit of tool, but I wasn't a big. I'll get to those guys too because I'm. They're you know I'm sure they'll come up for all of us, or yeah, both yeah. of us. I mean, um, but anyway, long story short, for that part of this is I, it just changed. I just had never heard music like that, and it was so impactful. And I can picture the room and everybody that was sitting there. Um, and this is how much I didn't know about them at this time. Like I think the first album that I bought of theirs. Because I believe the first one was released in like 96, if I remember correctly, somewhere around there. I bought Follow the Leader first. Yeah. Because I just didn't know anything about their discography. Like, I, I didn't know that much about them. I just knew that I loved what I heard. Um, and then, obviously, after that, like, had worked my way back, you know, to Life is Peachy and the, yeah. the, the title or the self-titled album. Um, and I don't know that there's much that needs to be said about that album. I, I you know, it, it pops up in all sorts of you know uh, articles and so so on that how it changed music and what they were doing was different and, and it's true but i'll tell you what it was so impactful on me um it still is i still listen to that album fairly regularly i haven't really gotten into anything past follow the leader admittedly i you know i'm if you like it cool i don't think there's anything wrong with that but they sort of lost me i think after that but i also my musical taste had changed so i'd sort of grown out of that you know what i mean and that's what it happens i mean you mature and you change but i still love those albums um this one i think i knew you know you knew these guys were going to come up um is the deftones 
I mean, <laughs> I don't know what can be said about the Deftones that hasn't already been said. I know that there was, I mean, Around the Fur, I think, and White Pony were two that were on constant rotation for oh, all, yeah. all of oh, us. Yeah. I mean, every one of us was listening to those, those records. Uh, there was a... Time period where we were playing a lot of those songs in your grandma's garage that summer. At, at that point, we that were basically. That, I think that was the summer that White Pony came out. I think you're right. Yeah. Now that you say that, and yeah. we damn near had that album learned yeah. cover to cover. Like we played Street Carp, which you know most people never would have done. No. Um, An elite. How many times did we have? Oh, I, I was going to say her name, and I'm not going to do it, because just in case, but uh, the, the Kurt's neighbor, neighbor. The neighbor comes storming across Oh, my God. Every time we'd play Elite. I remember the one time. <laughs> we hadn't even, like, we barely started. And listen, I'm a, I'll be the first to admit, back then, we were young and hadn't quite figured out that, like, turning up as loud as you could go didn't, you know, produce the best sound. Yeah. Um, you know, most amps are, are made in such a way that they've got a certain, like, level that they, they sound, whatever. That's not how we rolled. We were loud. We played real loud <laughs> yeah. all the fucking time. Um, and it's actually kind of amazing that we're not, all of us aren't more deaf than we already are. But um, I remember specifically one time, I don't remember what we were playing prior to it, but we saw her walking over. And if you're not familiar with the song Elite by the Deftones, um, go listen to it. Because it's, <laughs> it's, uh... <laughs> brash to say the least yeah. it's one of their heavier songs yeah, you know really yeah. Yeah. and sort of not true to their form in the sense that and i remember steven or uh, stephen carpenter talking about this in an interview it doesn't break there's very yeah. few points in that song where they break away and go to like a moody chorus i mean there's a little bit of that but it's it's a little bit different than what they'd normally done especially for that album yep but anyway so she's walking across and we see her and we're like fuck it kick it into elite because the song is right i mean from the first note is it's chino screaming yeah and, oh god, she came over. I don't know how many times, yeah. and it, that was a whole situation. Always, always. constantly shutting us down. I, I just, and I don't think they cared either. Like, Kurt's dad would fall asleep in his chair on right the next, other side of right sliding glass door. I remember, I remember they used to yeah. have to. He used to have to latch those sliding glass doors because they, they would vibrate. They yeah. Would vibrate. <laughs> But we did. We were kids, and we were literally in there with half stacks, and like <laughs> yeah. Nick had four tens and a fifteen. Like yeah. there was no reason we had the equipment that we yeah. had back then. Yeah. And we, you know, legitimately all—I I can't say worked—but we, you know, you save your birthday money, you save yeah, your Christmas. Yeah. You know, it's just we that, we took it very very seriously, right. for better or worse. Um, and I'll, I'll just touch on White Pony more. Uh, Adrenaline was great. Adrenaline's still one of my favorite albums yep. of all time. Don't get me wrong. Around the fur, I felt the same way. But there was just something about White Pony when it dropped, when we were at that age, that I, I don't know what it was. It was like yeah. that perfect timing of like where you that. It was just angsty, but sort of moody in a way that we had never really heard from them. Yep. Um, different in so many ways, but like just, I mean, absolutely brilliant. And I still love, yeah. God, of course, I still love the Deftones. I still listen to the Deftones every day. Um, and there's just one of those bands. It's, it's, Never, I don't think, ever got to the radio play um, tier of, like, Korn and some of their peers. Yeah. I don't think they ever got... I mean, I still think they're just... They're one of the biggest metal slash whatever you want to call them bands in the world. Um, but did that in a way that they just never really got that much radio play, right. which is... Yeah. It's sort of amazing. But, yeah, it is. Um, and I still think Around the Fur sonically and even white pony too but as for around the fur and even um adrenaline those are timeless to me because the the guitar tones and his voice and all of it yeah. drums you know yep. the sound stood the test of time is what i'm getting oh, at like those sure. to me still sound they just sound like they didn't age like you could come out with those, either one of those albums now and i wouldn't be like oh that's oh, yeah. 30 years 20 years old whatever it may be right. you know what i mean yeah. um so then i gotta i gotta go to fear factory um, and I think Brett was one of Brett's, right? Brett Sambito's. He had, let's see, that was a, that was a, one of his, um, yep, he had Obsolete was on his list. So I remember. He gave me a few more besides his top four. Yeah, we'll come, we'll come back to that because I want to get to everybody after it. Like I kind of uh, go through, I'm not going to go through every one that I wrote down, wrote down. 
I probably will touch on the ones that I know that like you and I um, that were a part of that group for us because there's quite a few of them. There's a couple that I'm going to mention that are significant to me um, outside of that. But it's funny because obsolete. I actually got obsolete as a Christmas gift, and I, yeah. I and I'll never forget this. And Kurt, when he listens to this. I remember Kurt saying to me, he's like, well, I don't really know if, like, you're going to dig it. It's got this, like, mix of, like, singing and screaming. And, you know, again, that wasn't something I was familiar with. They've been doing it. And they had, D-Manufacture had a lot of that on there, too. But And obviously other bands were doing it. Um, But I got Obsolete as a Christmas gift. And I remember, you know, I had my little, like, Sony Walkman or whatever it was on Christmas Day. And I, you know, as you did when you got a CD back then... You tend to like skip through the songs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you'd yeah. listen to a couple seconds. Yep. And I got to the second track, which was Edge Crusher. Oh yeah. And I probably listened to the beginning of Edge Crusher. I'm not kidding you. Probably fifteen times just yeah. in that sitting there because I I had never heard anything quite that heavy yeah. in, in its in its own sense. And I mean if you're not familiar with, with Fear Factory, um they are kind of one of the OG, like really heavy bands. That had like the syncopated drums and guitars locked into yep. each other, yep. with a very heavy or with a, with very uh, industrial influence. It was there was a lot of that, you know what I mean. Um, and Burton's storytelling on that album, because essentially was a concept album. Yeah, you know what I mean. It yeah, told a story from the yep. the beginning to the end. Um, he was brilliant. I mean, brilliant, brilliant writer. Um, and I mean, I could go on about Fear Factory all night, like. The, they're back they've got a new singer and he sounds really really killer like i was yeah um kind of exciting to hear him like that like it'll never i mean i like tony campos you know he's he plays in static x he's played in a million other bands um i like him as a bass player so but we saw the original fear factory lineup yep so i mean i got i've gotten that out you know so and they were phenomenal live don't um who the hell did we see them with? Dry Kill Logic? It was Dry Kill Logic. Puya? Puya. The Fear Factory, and then who else was? I feel like there was one more. Maybe not. Oh, that's going to drive me nuts. Yeah, I can't remember. The killer show, was, though. Yeah. Oh, Primer 55. Was it Primer 55? Did they, It must have opened then, I would yeah. assume. Yeah. yeah. Um, I believe it was Primer Was it Primer? I've seen Primer 55 a few times, and I, I remember specifically with Darwin Darwin's Waiting Room. I'm positive it was done. I think you're right. I yeah. think you're yeah. right. I can't remember. That was the Kaufman's incident, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I'll tell oh, That's a good story. I will yeah, tell the story quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is going to be sort of a... For, well, actually, I've looked at our, our audience and our demographic that listen to this, and it's typically like from 24 to 38, which is odd to me. But believe it or not, kids, there was a time where we didn't buy concert tickets online. Because I think it actually was Leechmere. Was it? That we went down to get it at. I believe so. Yeah, because you had to walk way down to the end of Grease Ridge Mall. Was it? Leechmere, I believe. Either way. Yeah, you might be right now that I think about it. I, it this has been years. But so yeah. the, the point being, um, we used That's to go. That's comes to mind. Yeah, well, we used to go to this place. Specifically in the Grease Ridge Mall, and you would go in, and you could buy tickets, and from their like their customer service desk. Um, and I'll try to tell this as quick as I can because we've got a lot to go over. But there was it was me, you, Kurt, Gordon, and Billy. Might have been that sounds about that's that was a tip, typical, or maybe Nick too. Nick might have been there. Probably was Nick. Sounds but that was like the typical crew back then. So anyway, so we go in and go to buy tickets to see Fear Factory. We were, actually, we were walking through the mall. And I happened to glance into a store. Oh, you saw him beforehand, right? Yes. Yeah, 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 okay. I happened to glance into a store, and I was like, guys, I think that was Dino mm. from Fear Factory in that store. He was in shoe, or, um, Foot Locker? Something like a that. Shoe, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I remember that. So, we go in to buy tickets, and the woman at the customer service desk says they're sold out. And, you know, you're a kid, so you're, you're defeated, and you're like, well, that sucks, whatever. You know, um, so we walk out. And I don't, I don't know if we caught him passing or no. He because uh, we had talked to him. Well, I, I think one of us had seen him, and I remember specifically thinking to myself, you know what, like, to hell with it. Like, I gotta go talk to this guy. Yeah. You know, I idolized him. Still one of my favorite guitarists. Still super influential on the way that I play. Um, 
And then, too, so through some dialogue, you know, you go up and you say the typical things, like, whatever, we're huge fans. And I remember saying, like, oh, we were going to go to the show tonight, but, uh, you know, we just tried to buy tickets, and they, we were told that they were sold out. And he goes... No, that's not that's not right. Yeah, because he had his dude get on the phone. So it was his tour manager that was with him. Yeah, yeah and yeah. he got on the phone, and the dude, I think, ended up actually going in and not getting us tickets, but told the lady, like, sell them tickets. Yeah. It's not sold out. Because I remember they came down there to make sure we got some. He did. Both of them did. And I remember him saying, like, oh, are you guys from around here? And we're like, oh, kind of. And he's like, well, do you know any good strip clubs? And mind you, yeah, like, we're, we're 16 like, years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like... Would it have been dope as fuck to go to a strip club with Dino at that point in my life? Absolutely, oh, but yeah. you know, just not not a feasible. But the cool story, like, how cool is it to like have met one of our idols, yeah. and he got us tickets to the show? Yeah. Like, just yeah. one of like one of those moments in my life <coughs> that you you couldn't make up. Right. You know, just it's such right. a weird coincidence, and I'm glad we did it. It was awesome. So, um, moving on from that, I don't really know. Oh. Should we do Pantera? Should we talk about Pantera? Well, c- yeah, because I think it's going to come up anyways, because that's on uh, Brett's list. I don't know. I can't tell you the first time I heard Pantera. I, I, I can't. The first time I was turned on it was by my cousin Scott, mm. and it was Far Beyond Driven. Because at that point, Becoming was like the standard for double bass. You know what? Now that you say that. I don't remember hearing anything as fast as that up to that point. I th- you know what? You say that, and that may have been my introduction to yeah. Pantera yeah. as well. Um, and then obviously, henceforth, that's those were not, that was another band that we listened to nonstop. I mean, yeah. just every album yep. on rotation regularly. Far Beyond Driven still holds a special place to me. Probably because that was the first one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And again, I had listened to music that heavy, but I had never heard something quite I don't I don't know if aggressive is the right term for it, but like Phil had Phil's lyrics too had a sort of confidence arrogance, I guess, now now that we know who he actually is. Um yeah. And he's, you know, he's a pompous ass. I don't agree with the things that he said and done. Right. Um, that's neither here nor there. That's not the point of this. But, I, yeah, I... And then I, you know, of course, like everybody did, fell in love with Dimebag. Because yep. I just hadn't heard anything done quite like that before. You know, like... Yeah. Um, and that gets... The, the guitar tone. He had such a heavy tone. Yeah. Even going back as far as Cowboys from Hell... You know, and Cowboys from Hell had some really like '80s moments on it, it. it did. but it didn't bother me. You yeah. know, because no, I loved. It still had some great. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a great album. Yeah. All of them are great. Yeah. The only one I, I think the one that stands out for me that I didn't love as much as, and I still loved it, was Reinventing the Steel. Yeah. I didn't love that as much, and I, I it didn't. It didn't have as many good songs on it. No, it was still good. It was still them. Yeah, and I suppose that speaks to where the band was at at that point because they were talking about how like. You know, they weren't getting in the same room together, and they were sending tracks to Phil, and yeah. he was living in the, wherever he was. Um, so I suppose that adds up when you when you look back. But, um, And we talked about this before, too. I didn't love Damage Plan. Damage Plan was Dimebag's yeah. band after... Dimebag and Vinny's band after the fact. Yeah. Um, it's not that I didn't try. I tried. Yeah. You know, I tried to like it. I just... It just wasn't for me. And the same thing with Hell Yeah. Yeah, same. Um... You know, it's cool. It was Vinny, but yeah, you just couldn't get into it. No, and it's not even necessarily because I was like, "Well, fuck every band that they're in," because it's Pantera or nothing. It's not that I wanted to like them. It just wasn't for me. Yeah, that's really what it is. And the same thing. Well, actually, no. To be honest with you, this re whatever the hell you want to call this, it's a Pantera cover band. If you if you fucking ask yeah. me, but they they've gotten these guys together and they're phenomenal musicians. And oh, it's yeah. Rex oh, and yeah. Phil from the OG lineup. And Zach Wild and what's his Charlie Charlie Benanti, Benanti, yeah Anthrax. from Anthrax. So I mean, good. killer musicians in their own right. Yeah, but just let it die. Let it die. Let it be what it is, and let me remember it the way I remember it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's cool. And you know, if you go see them, and they're great, awesome. I, I won't shit on it because um, it probably will introduce Pantera to a, a newer audience, some. some people that may have not heard them or younger generation even so so that's cool whatever um 
yeah, Pantera, man. I, I just, I still, I don't think people love the Great Southern Trend Kill either. No, I that's feel like album. that's probably my yeah. Far Beyond Driven will hold a place in my heart because of the memories attached yeah. to it. But um, the Great Southern Trend Kill, I think, is my favorite album. Yes, I, I don't know something about that. Man. It was there's even those songs in it that are like softer songs that are awesome. softer songs, and they experimented with like lower tunings. Yeah. Um, which even at the time it didn't mean a whole lot to me. But like, yeah, I, that album, I don't even know. Um, just a ma- I, to me a masterpiece from yep. start to finish. Same, I mean, um, vulgar was the same. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I think the only one that I can't say that, that I feel that way about again is reinventing the steel. I think everything up to that point was it, every album. There wasn't a bad song no. on it. Maybe songs that weren't as strong as some of the other ones, but yeah. definitely not a not a bad tune. Um. So I have to talk about Forty Below Summer. Oh, yeah. I have to. I have to. I saw him live a couple times. We hung out with him actually at what was Club Infinity one time, and I remember trying to get their guitarist Joey to drink. Was it Yukon Jack or Yukon Gold? It was this shitty whiskey that Brian Regal always used to drink, and it was like a hundred yeah. proof, but it was like flavored, so it like didn't I, whatever. I, and he was like, "Nah, nah, I'm not really a whiskey drinker." <laughs> and we were young too, yeah. and I remember because uh, I think it was. 40 Below. I don't know if you were there for that one or not. It was 40 Below no, and El Nino. Um, but 40 Below Summer, I've got so many memories. I got their logo tattooed on my arm. That was one of my very first tattoos. I think it was my second tattoo, now that I say that. Second and third tattoos, because I got their logo, and then I got the song title uh, Rain tattooed. Yeah. And that song... I will admit that now, it, from a sonic standpoint, it has aged, and you can tell that it still holds. It's very, very near and dear to me, and I, I can tell the story. I'll quickly tell the story about when I bought that album because I had bought Invitation to the Dance prior to that. I actually had gotten a demo CD from Hans, um, you know, back when they had like two song, not demos, but like promo discs. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But uh, I was in the Georgetown Mall, and if you're not familiar with that, it's DC area, beautiful place, beautiful mall. Um, and I get at that point, this is pretty much, I won't say pre, it, well, it wasn't pre-internet. But things weren't as accessible on the internet as they are now. So, like, you still didn't always, you didn't know, like, when albums were being released. So I didn't know that they had released this album, and I saw the logo. So I picked it up, and I remember, like, throwing the headphones on in my sister's apartment and laying on the couch. And I, it's so clear to me, and she was at work. And I listened to that album probably for, like, four hours straight. And it was... Uh, you know, just I, all of the. I don't even really know. What did they do after? I don't think they released any more albums. Well, they've released songs and shit. I think after, since then, but I don't remember what they did after that album. After uh, Jesus, now I can't even think of the album title. How bad is that? But it had Taxi Cab Confession, Medicaid oh. on self Medicaid on there. Um, yeah. It's 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 leaving me now, but. Um, I don't think you can talk about bands like this or this sort of subject with us and not talk about 36 Crazy Fist. Oh, definitely. I mean, you and I still constantly are like, oh, it's a fucking 36 kind of day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, And I remember that was another one. So I remember back in the day, too, like I would pick up Hit Parader and like magazines like that and shit. And that's really like that legitimately is how I used to find out about music. Yeah. Or... You know, we'll even go even more old school. Like, you remember going to like media play, yep. and you just yep. you'd pick up a CD because the cover looked cool. Yeah, I mean, that, I know that's aging us, but that is legitimately what we used to do. Yep. Um, and, and a lot of times they would have on there like for fans of whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. But I think even Thirty Six Crazy has probably changed the way all of us played music. Yeah, I think they influenced in such a way that if you go back and listen to what we were doing, especially back then. Um, you could count them up in the bands that shaped what we used to sound like. Oh, yeah. For um, sure. um, yeah. Another one, and I, I know you'll, this is why I'm going to bring it up, is Head PE. More yep. specifically, yep. Broke. Broke, yep. Um, I've got more memories, good memories and bad memories with this one, man. Yep. You want to talk about, like, the full spectrum of emotion with this one? <laughs> Because it was one of those albums that you listen to in the worst of times and in the best of times. Like when you're getting, you know, just twisted on whatever 
it was broke. And when you yeah. like were going through a tough time with your girl or broken up or whatever, it was broke. For all of us, I think across the board, I don't think. And they got they had gone on. I broke was I think their high point, yeah. and I love the first album. The self titled the self titled was phenomenal. There was a while there, man, where only in America was on constant rotation. Mm-hmm. That was around the time that we saw them live, and they were good live. Yeah, They're, I'm glad we got to see them then. Then, because <laughs> now, <laughs> because they're more accessible yeah. now, yeah. they play around here fairly often, and I may yeah. catch them again. I, I, I just have been super disappointed with every yeah. release now since I maybe since only in America. No, no, because what was the one Insomnia? They, they put a few other good songs out here. And there was a couple. It kind of sprinkled throughout, but as a, as a whole, like, uh, it's disappointing, and you want to like them, but. It's just not good, man. Yeah, it's not. And I never would expect a band to continue to produce albums like Broke. And I think um, record labels had a lot to do with everything after the fact. Because I think they saw that they had gotten successful on Broke yeah, and wanted to repeat that success. And I remember yeah. their singer, Jared, they were talking about that. Like, he yeah. wanted... They wanted him to sing and... Oh, because Blackout. What was the album the Blackout was on? Or was that album called Blackout? Blackout. Yeah. Blackout. Um, that one got big, pretty. I mean, relatively speaking. But uh, you know, I think they wanted to repeat the success of that. And I do respect the guy because he did go in the complete opposite direction. He was like, right. "Fuck this! This is not what I'm doing." They recorded the one album in a bathroom, like vocals yeah. in the shower. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. I get it. Um, it was a little bit tough to hear, like you know, fifty year old dude talking about teenage girls and shit. Uh, you know, yeah. and I was like, ah, okay, but like, I'm I'm kind of checking out here, but. Yeah. Um, I've got some more. What else? Is there any ones you want to pop off and give me? Um, what was I think was well? I gotta mention uh, from zero, one nation. Later. I was gonna. I, oh, I almost wrote them down and I didn't. That's a great one from front to back. Yeah, that I, man. I still, I still actually have that CD, and I still listen to it in the car. I think, and I don't want to give Billy any credit for anything, but. <laughs> I bought that album because of him because I remember him saying yeah. like you should you should really buy this like I think yeah. you're really gonna like because it was one of the few times that he and I had gone to Grease Ridge or Media Play or whatever it was yeah. by ourselves and I bought it and you're right that that was one of the more to me and I'm sure you'll agree too one of the more underrated bands I don't think yeah. that band got enough credit for what they were doing I think they got pigeonholed at a time where <laughs> There was a lot of bands that had similar sounds, but I think yeah. those guys, talent, the talent level was above and beyond what you were getting from your typical, oh, I yeah. hate out new metal bands or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Plus their singer, I think, again, was more talented than yep. your run-of-the-mill singer then. Um, and it shined on that album. I think yeah. They released at least one more after they the did, fact. They did that. Uh, my Soul Called Life. That was a good one, too. I didn't get into it as much, admittedly. I, that was a good one, too. That was the one they had that Phil Collins cover, I Don't Care mm. Anymore. That's right. Yep. That was a good cover. I thought they definitely did a great job with that. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, that had good songs. I thought I liked it. Yeah, I, I don't know why I never... There was a point where I kind of broke off and started getting into, like... Uh, heavier stuff. I yeah. I very much had broken off and started to kind of gravitate more towards. I won't say death metal because that's not. Well, no, you know what? That's kind of what it was. Yeah. I had reached a point where I was very much against. I uh, against. I guess is the way I'll put it. Clean singing. Yeah, I I had kind of yeah. <laughs> not really proud. I probably missed out on some great years and some great music because of it, and I've, yeah. I've tried to make my way back, but I had gotten to a point where I wanted the music that I was listening to to be the most extreme. I kept seeking yeah. out bands that were like, well, that exactly, faster, heavier, more extreme, yeah. and it's sort of embarrassing now because I look back and like some of the shit that I was listening to was so bad because it didn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, it, it, it was literally not noise, I won't put it, um, but not like, not great music, not, yeah. not top quality music necessarily, 
but I was, I was, you know, but at that time I'd also, I'd gotten really into Cannibal Corpse, um, there's more, I liked Suffocation, and that's kind of the direction I had started to go, um, I was really into, uh, Despised Icon, I really, really loved those guys, I still listen to those guys, but I hope that paints the picture of where I'm at, so I had sort of detracted from what i don't want to say what everybody else was listening to because that's not necessarily it but i remember this specifically while we're talking about um from zero that's why it took me years to go back and get into depth oh yeah because i just wasn't listening to that type of music and i also admittedly sort of rejected new music and you put it best the last time we talked about this even then you had to leave me alone with a song yeah. for me to be able to figure it out and enjoy it in my own way um but I did. But what's funny about that is I can't tell you any of the bands then that had the emotional impact on me that the bands that we've talked about did. Yeah. Which is significant to say because I think it was just more of a rebellion thing. Like, this is what everybody's listening to, so this is what I'm not going to listen to. I'm just going to go do my own thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is, you know. Um, and I do remember this much, though. I remember that that sort of had started because I started listening to Machine Head. Um machine head and there was a couple other who else was there's machine head most notably and i don't remember anybody loving those guys when i would present them to people yeah. at the time um and there's there was, there was there, I, there's more i'm sure i i'll uh it'll come to me at some point probably after i'm done talking about this of course but um i don't think again we can talk about this this subject matter without talking about tool um, I think we both feel the same way about Tool these days. Like I, I still, it's for me personally, it's Enema and Before. Yeah. It's Undertow, Opiate, and Enema yep. for me. Yep. And mean, that's not to say that like Letteralis was good too. Letteralis had good songs on it, but it. I will say after Letteralis was the last one I bought. Yeah. Um, and I know people still love them. That's that's yeah, awesome. I mean, I still I still listen to them a lot, you know, here and there, but I just. Like, they, they had that such a long wait for the new album, and I just... I never heard it. Yeah, it kind of... It, it was, wasn't... I mean, it's... I just... Eh, I just didn't really... Kind of a letdown? Yeah, I just... It was a, there was all these other bands out that it just... I think that's the thing, too. Yeah. I You know, I... I, I don't want to profess to say that I'm always looking for the next new thing. It's not that. Yeah. I, I, that sounds cocky, but... <clears throat> you do. You move on. Yeah. The tool that you remember, especially with a wait that long. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. What was the one after Ladder Alice? Was it 10,000 Pots? 10,000 Days. 10,000 Days, 10,000 Pots. The Pot was on that. That was a good song. <laughs> that was my old man moment. Sure. Um, <laughs> I had listened to a couple off that, and I didn't hate them. No. I guess my musical cha- t- taste had changed in such a yeah. way that, like, it had gotten kind of boring to me. Yeah. It, it had lost its charm to me i guess is a better way to put it not boring yeah. because it's not boring music that what they do i mean those guys are incredibly talented oh, you can't yeah. you know everybody is but it had lost that charm to me and i don't know if it was i think it's that's what it is is you just move on you find new yeah. things yeah. um and i still love the, the first three albums i still listen oh, yeah. to the, all of them regularly they you know um they pop up on spotify all yeah. the time um so we got to talk about Dream Theater. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I was holding off on Dream Theater I was, because... I was thinking about that earlier too. Awake and Images and Words, man. Those, are, those two albums, Awake for me especially, but yeah. um, Images and Words the same. It changed everything. Yep. Um, and I will say this about Dream Theater, which is sort of funny. I, now, these days, um, and later in life, had I kind of had started to like... James Labrie's vocal style. I didn't love it. I did not love it on those albums. Yeah. I, it took me a long time to get used to it. Um, but musically, I mean, listen, again, you know, we were such nerds that we would cover Dream Theater songs. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, we would go and take our lessons, guitar lessons and whatever, and yeah. drum lessons, and want to learn Dream Theater songs. That's yeah. how, but you know. Yeah. Um, and that's not to take anything away. I mean, those guys have been, you know, they're a, a pivotal band in the, oh, yeah. the landscape of like oh, prog yeah. metal and, and so on and so forth. But, yeah, um, 
Brian Regal still makes fun of me to this day for being a Dream Theater fan. <laughs> <laughs> so you fucking guys, you listen. <laughs> hey, bro, I can't help it. All right, you know, like I can't help it. Um, and you know, it it is sort of funny because I've kind of gone I've gone backwards in life when it comes to that. Because I've become such a merciful fate and King Diamond fan yeah. now at this stage of my life. It doesn't make any sense, you know? Yeah. Um, maybe I'm just old enough to, like, appreciate it now. I don't know what it is, but um, all that stuff. Especially merciful fate. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Um, I've got more. I can keep going. I we, We've got time, too. Um, here's a big one for me. And you guys, well, we'll just talk about the Clarendon days. Um... When I was living in Clarendon, for those of you who know, don't know, it doesn't matter, but, um, you know, I was going through some stuff, whatever, and I remember the Plot and News album, Dispose, came out, and I listened to Feel Nothing, Disposable Fix, that album from cover to cover, I don't know how many times. I think the, the other one I liked off that was I Always Wanted to Leave. I Always like, Wanted to... Oh, it's such... It's a little bit of a different song for them, but it was good stuff. Right, and those guys had... They've, they've continued to go in a very... Kind of a different direction. Yeah. Like, yeah. when The Plot and You first kind of came on the scene, they did have... They were almost they were, like... uh they were a lot heavier. A lot heavier and more of like... I don't want to say metalcore sound. Sort of in the same vein as like early, early Bring Me the Horizon. You know, like, not formulaic, but in that sort of kind of... Uh, they still had some weird shit going on by even back then. But very heavy. Much heavier than they are. Even now, actually. Um, and what's funny is, because they weren't even on my radar until that album came out. But that album got me through some shit. Yeah. Like, some shit. Um, there was a few in Clarendon that were pretty heavy. Wrote a lot of Amir. Yep. <laughs> A lot of a mirror. Um, what else was there? Now I'm drawing a blank on that, too. A lot of Whitney Houston. Yep. <laughs> a lot of hip-hop, too. Yeah. We we had a fair amount of... Um, J. Cole. I, there's more. Yep. That's when I discovered... Forcefully... Finally relented, like, post <laughs> That's what I was getting at. <laughs> when I finally relented is a great way to put it. <laughs> I hated it. Oh, I hated yeah. it so much. Um, and again, I, I think that was just me being me and being like, whatever. And now here I am again. You know, it's a huge Post Malone fan. A huge fan of the human being and a huge fan of his music too. Um, yeah, again, I think... I've got one more pretty interesting memory uh, that stands out to me. And that's when I had first heard Kill Switch Engage's first album, Alive or Just Breathing, which I don't think technically is their first, but their first major one that was released on Roadrunner Records. Um, and I was driving around in my mom's two-door Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried to show this song to people, and it just wasn't taking. People weren't getting it. And I think at that time... I don't know what they called it. It was like the new wave of American heavy metal or whatever the bullshit. Metalcore, whatever the fuck ever. But you hadn't really heard anything quite like that at that time. The singing with that super, like... You know, Jesse Leach is an amazing vocalist. Yeah. Um, and not to take anything f away from Howard Jones. No. I'm still a Jesse Leach Killswitch fan. Yeah. I liked Howard Jones, but I liked yeah. Killswitch with Jesse Leach. It's the same way I feel about Van Halen. Give me fucking Van Halen. Don't give me Van Hagar. <laughs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with Sammy Hagar, but it just wasn't Van Halen for me. Fight me if you disagree. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I remember that, that Kill Switch not taking. Like, people just were like, what the fuck is this? Like, what is this combination? But I do remember specifically driving around listening to, because I had um, My Last Serenade was on one of the mix CDs, because, you know, we all used to illegally download everything at that point. Um, I don't know, is there any more you can think of, like, super influential? Uh, I think we actually, touched on quite a few. Um, I wanted to bring up no, no album in particular, but Stuck Mojo. I, man, listen. <laughs> oh my god, I remember... Where was... I remember I was in Russell Hateman's house... 
and he had borrowed this is i'm gonna drop some names so i don't know who listens now these days whatever but i'm gonna start dropping names i was in russell hateman's house with matt sims and i don't you wouldn't know these guys you might know matt sims um but matt sims had pig walk he had the cd pig walk and um he was like oh you should really check this out and he was like it's kind of like how did he put it like seven dust meets i can't remember how we anyway excuse, excuse me um that was the first time i heard it i remember that clear as day in this like tiny like sort of like loft bedroom upstairs yeah stuck mode is a great one yeah um and I, I think you and i have agreed too that like didn't love the stuff with the the newer singer guy like bones was it for me yeah the what was that guy's name king something king something <laughs> lord nelson lord nelson oh, okay yeah yeah that's right they got they got a new guy now and it it's it's it was pretty good it was more back to their old stuff the guy sounds more like bones than anything really yeah i mean but again that that's another one i and i I referenced pig walk because that one's the the most fresh for me because i've been listening i've actually been listening to that quite a bit recently um a guitar tone i don't and oh my god like he's definitely an underrated guitarist too i he's in something now is it chris jericho's band fozzy Rich Ward, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he I think he's doing something pretty big now, which he should be. Yeah. But right. yeah, as far as underrated guitarists goes, he's he's up there on the yeah. list cuz that dude, oh my god. Yeah. Just not even just like his like southern dirty ass like riffs that yeah. were, you know, I don't know. That oh. That kind of music for whatever reason cuz I really actually enjoyed speaking to like southern bands. <clears throat> I enjoyed Down and I enjoyed oh, yeah, Super Joint Ritual. Um, Seamless was a band that had Jesse Leach and the original guitarist of Killswitch, Pete something, I can't remember, that had a very southern like flair to it. I love that stuff. I always have. Um, I don't know why. And, and even that, I think Stuck Mojo probably more than anybody yeah. influenced my guitar playing too because I always wanted to sound like that. I wanted to write the riffs that that dude was writing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it just, you know, it's so good. And again, it, I think they got not big. They were fairly popular at one yeah. point, um, but you're still talking er, late '90s, early 2000s at yeah. best, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. yeah. I, I so I think I think that's it, man. Like that. I, there's more. There's a billion more of these. Um, I could go on for hours about this stuff but i want to start to get to some of the ones that people wrote to us so if you want to pop off with zambito brett zambito stuff okay so these are in no particular order we already talked about this but his his number one was tool animal which i know we'll both agree is a masterpiece absolutely i still think that is one of the best drum performances ever i don't care what anybody says like that i agree i mean his, his drum sound all the stuff that he did on that I agree. Definitely. And I just think from cover to cover, that album is... There's not a bad tune. Chronic achievement. Each one of those songs on there, I could be like, well, that's my favorite song. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, his his number two, which I love this album, man, it's, it's Mudvayne LD50. Again. Again, that's a winner. Um, I can't... Again, I don't know if there's anything you can say about that album that it hasn't already been said. Nobody was doing that stuff. No, I mean... No. It, I don't know about it necessarily from a drum standpoint, yeah. um, or even a guitar standpoint. I, I, yeah. He well, did do some pretty original stuff, but yeah. like, well, but again, the the combination of all of it together, yeah. absolutely. And yep. That bass player definitely stood out. That guy, yeah, I can't remember his name, Ryan, whatever, but yeah. yeah. Um, his his number three was Queensrÿche Operation Mindcrime. We talked about Queensrÿche a little bit earlier. Yeah, that's. That's a that that's a great band. I always liked that album, and then their other album, Empire, was great. It wasn't as progressive, I guess. Yeah. As Operation Mindcrime, but that was still a solid album. And his number four was Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. I mean, listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan, but I, I can't take that. anything away no. from that one because no. that you know that is a classic album yeah. for a reason. Yeah. And he had he had two others, 
Well, he had like a couple others that were honorable mentions. One we already mentioned was Fear Factory. Obsolete, Obsolete, yeah. And Far Beyond Driven, but Seven Dust Home and Chevelle Wonder What's Next. Oh, those, those are, are two both. really good ones, yep. too. We saw Chevelle with Zambito. Were you there for that? No, or, I don't think oh, so. Oh, my God. All right. Well, here's a fun memory. <laughs> um, who the hell went? Maybe it was Kurt, Scott, and I. It was. Okay, so Scott drove Kurt and I to go see Seven Dust, Static X, Dope, and Chevelle open the show yeah. at Water Street. And you'll have to, if he listens to this, you'll have to, or well, he can tell us or comment or what when I talk to him. Brett had an apartment with some guy they used to call like Mr. Giggles or something. I, Brett, if you listen to this, you, I got to know, you're going to have to fill me in on the, the parts that I'm, I'm not getting right here. But anyway, so we went out there and it was, Brett was there and I want to say maybe Aaron Moody too. And then this guy that they had, he, Brett had an apartment with, but anyway, that part's a little bit fuzzy. Um, but I remember going to water street and we walked in and Chevelle was opening Yeah. and Point number one was the first one song that they played. And I was so blown away with Chevelle at that point. I was like... I remember when I first heard that. I was like, holy hell. Um, And of course, Static X was killer that night. I've seen Static X twice. Um, And then, you know, obviously Seven does too. Home was a great one. Yeah. Home was... that Shit, we covered... uh, We covered Home. Home, yeah. The the title track on that. We did Black as well. We did Black. There was a few. We did Born to Die. There was quite a few Seven Dust songs we were able to do. Again, in my grandma's garage, of all places. Um, those are great ones. I, Queensryche is another one that it took me a long time to get into. Um, I think because of the 80s aspect to it. But again, I'm listening to Merciful Fate and King Diamond, so I can't really say too much about anything. But um, So Zach Burgess. Um, and I'm probably going to mispronounce the name of the album, but it was uh, Brand New's album. Is it Degasser? I listened to Brand New a little bit back in the day. Not enough to be that familiar, but, um, you know, Zach had talked about how that had been influential in the way he writes music. And unfortunately, their singer had gotten himself into hot water. And the reason I'm bringing that part up is <clears throat> I had, Hans and I, um, again, through, I think, I can't remember the name of the promo company. It doesn't matter, but had gotten our hands on um, a two-track CD from Lost Profits. Lost Profits, a fake sound or the fake sound of progress, still to this day is one of my favorite albums. I don't know why it just it did something for me. I loved it. Two singers, just kind of different again, a, a little bit different from what was going on back then. Um, in relation to brand new, obviously the singer, one of the singers from Lost Profits, had, you know, gotten some some serious shit. Um, and is, is rotting away in jail, deservedly so. Um, and I, you know, does that stop me from listening to the album? No. Because I think it's important that... I don't know, maybe he was that dude then. I, I have no idea. We I actually met him. <clears throat> I saw Lost Prophets, The Apex Theory, and Andrew W.K. Oh, yeah. Which was a fucking killer show. Um, but I met the guy. Super nice. And... I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying that what he did was okay or justifying any of that. That's not... I'm holding on to my memory as a young kid. Yeah. And I assume Zach is thinking the same way. You know, that it's a... It sucks, and it does affect me when I hear it. Um, but the memory, and, and from a nostalgia standpoint, it's, it's that's still... I'm going to hold on to that. And, 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 you know, obviously denounce the guy for the things that he had done. Um... It's tough. It's tough when someone like a band like that or like somebody that you idolize, like even Phil and Selmo, yeah. you know, when he he had that whole bullshit at Dime Bash, you're, you're so disappointed because you're like, come on, man. Like, yeah. you know, I invest all my time and I invest so much emotion and, and not yeah. money necessarily, but into someone as an artist. And then you pull this and you're just, it's a letdown of a different caliber, I guess yeah. is what I'm getting at. Um, and I'm going to keep moving here. Hans, Hans wrote to me, and this is one of my favorite memories of all time. And I'd actually forgotten about this. So we were at Ozfest and we had just seen Nothing Face play, and I still listen to Nothing Face fairly, fairly regularly. And we ran into their singer Matt Holt. I think that's his name, Matt. Yeah. Anyway, 
he stunk like weed so goddamn bad I couldn't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was oppressive when he walked up. Yeah. And I think he was looking for a wedding dress because he was going to some party like later on in the day. But he actually like walked around and talked to us. Um, and Hans said the uh, audio guide to Everyday Atrocities um, was just an album that he like lived by. And he did. I remember he had his uh, the hoodie that he used to wear in high school. Um, I love Nothing Face. I think probably even pacifier i think their first album is probably one of my favorites i don't know um just a cool memory to like walk around the sing with a singer he's since passed away which is, is sad um but we did we walked around he, I, I think it was hans you have to correct me too on this but it was either a wedding dress or like a birthday dress i can't it was a dress he was looking for he's like do you guys know where to find a wedding dress They're like the fuck are you talking about but like yeah, we're fucking 17 years old or whatever the hell it was um so what else we got so Mitch DeSmit, and I love the DeSmit storytelling between, (laughs) like, those guys, and it's no wonder that it translates into, like, Misery Falls and so on and so forth, but, um, he, he talked about a band, Haste of the Day, and I admittedly, back in the day, think that I found, or fell onto them because of their cover of the Goo Goo Dolls song, Long Way Down, do you remember hearing that? Um, I didn't heard of them before that, but I... That album in particular, um, but you know, he told a story about like stealing some of Dylan's CDs and they were like scratched terribly. Um, and I believe if, and I'm probably going to quote it wrong, but he had said, I wonder if I would would write music now the same way if it hadn't been for how scratched and skipped those CDs, you know what I mean? (laughs) I don't know, man. I love when those two get involved in this because you know, they, they're, they've always been supported since the, the jump. Um, so that being said, too, Dylan DeSmit had written in and talked about Lorna Shore's To the Hellfire. So what's funny about this one, too, because he had said that like he was never really like a Deathcore fan. Um, and this one he heard and it got him into it. And I it's sort of funny, too, because I had heard about it on like on TikTok or whatever. And Will Ramos and, and all this stuff and there's all this hype around it. And I don't, I'm not one to jump on a hype train. I usually do the opposite. If someone's like, oh, this movie's the best movie I've ever seen, blah, 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 outside of the circle of people that I trust, yeah. I I won't. I won't jump on it. So I finally got around to this one, Lorna Shore. And I, Lorna Shore had a different singer at one point. I remember not really loving him back then. But um, this particular song, Dylan's right. I mean, I was a Deathcore fan. I've always been a Deathcore fan. I've, I've Whitechapel, you name it. Whitechapel being the most memorable, notable to me because... Still one of my favorite bands, but there's there's a ton more. Um, but he had said, like, you know, I listened to this song, and it changed my mind. And I listened to the song, and I was like, holy shit. Like, people have done this before? Uh, yeah, not necessarily. I'm not saying he reinvented the wheel. It's not that. He just polished that motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he was so good at it. And yeah. um, I like when moments like this happen with genres of music where someone almost sets a bar. Because what happened is, what spawned from Lorna Shore, and specifically that song, is now you've got bands trying to not necessarily emulate that, but do that and do it better and do it in their own ways. And it's it's cool. It's really cool when that happens because you always end up with really great byproducts of that. And then eventually what comes along is a band who does it and then probably unknowingly does it in a, such a way that it's different. It, it's different and they add their own flair to it. It's, it's cool, man. Um, there's, I, that's, I hope I touched on everybody. I don't, I probably missed some people. I apologize. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Speaking of Primer 55, which is kind of a jump back. I remember when we saw them, there was a venue called the Continental in Buffalo. I think you were there for that one. I'm not sure. Um, but I, remember I smoked a cigar with the one singer of Darwin's waiting room and I didn't smoke cigars or cigarettes back then. I remember my lungs were on fucking fire. Fuck. Cause you know, you're not necessarily supposed to inhale cigars, but I was yeah. young and dumb. And he gave me one. I was like, yeah, I'm fucking in whatever. Um, and then I remember the lead singer of prime 50, primer 55. We met him for a brief moment, but I think he said, and maybe Kurt, you can correct me on this when you hear this. He got off the bus and said something like, I don't really have any time. It's nice to meet you guys. I got to go find some drugs. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. 
something to that effect. And again, Kurt, like Kurt will hear this, and I'm, I'm sure he can correct me. Um, that was kind of a cool memory, you know, because at least we got to meet him, and we're such big Primer Fifty Five fans, um, for sure. I'm trying to think of who else. Um, Hans and I used to go to concerts. I don't want to say every week, but there was points where I think we were going to shows. I. I I don't know, at least twice a month, if, if not more than that. And there's some great memories with that, too. Um, he's another one who I'd like to get. Maybe, I don't know if you'd ever feel comfortable like talking on this, but that dude is a, a treasure trove of concert <laughs> <laughs> memories. Um, just memories in general. Like, that dude, you know, remembers everything. But through him, I actually did meet Jared Leto at one point. And yeah. this was obviously... Um, very, very early, 30 Seconds to Mars. Probably when that first album came out. Yeah, it may have even been before it was actually released. Because that was when I saw them, because they were like touring with Seven Dust. Who, I, they headlined that one, I think, with... I think they headlined that one. But they also did play with Seven Dust, because I'm pretty sure I saw that show, too. Yeah. Um, I don't even know, he must have been on TV at that point, because I think he did a not so... Or, what the hell was that show called? My So Called Life, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Way before, like, Joker. Um, anyway, a- any of that stuff. Um, there's more. And it sucks because I, I can't remember all of them. And they'll come to me. I think, I, think, uh, I know we kind of mentioned them in passing, but I think Puya deserves to mention. Yeah. Yeah. Man, um... Their first album in Union, I think those are masterpieces. What was, the, was the first one called o- Oasis? Yeah. Was that the album or was that just a song? I don't it doesn't really matter song. either way. I don't remember what the name of the album was, but I think that, that first album and then Union were masterpieces. I think even beyond that, Ankla. Remember Ankla? Ankla was great. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Guitarist from yep. Puya. Those yeah. guys were phenomenal. Yep. Yep. Um, Puya is a, a, mo- a memorable, yeah. on- honorable mention either way. Yeah. Um, yeah, a bunch of white boys rolling around like singing Puerto Rican lyrics. <laughs> it was cool though, because you just hadn't. There was nothing like that. You know what I mean? Not at that point, yeah. anyway. I mean, you know, obviously oh, now. Um, God, there's more, man. You know, yeah. Seven Dust. I think is. I don't even think we have to bring that up. I mean, yeah. I. We talked about that with Brian too. Like Seven just Seven Dust doesn't miss. No. You know what no. I mean? Even in their, like, the albums... Again, I, we won't rehash it, but even the albums that I didn't love so much, like, still love them. Like, yep. just it's still, yep. always hold it a special place in my heart. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. There, I'm sure there's more. Um, it's it's funny, because the memories always come flooding back yeah. until you have to think about them, and then when you're starting to, sitting here trying to think about it, like, your mind just goes blank. Um but again, if I missed anybody, I'm sorry. I will... Uh... Actually, you know what? I got one more before we go. This is... And I, I kind of wanted Brian to call in because of this one specifically. So this was years and years and years and years ago, obviously. Um, I was at a high school... The high school used to put on, like, skate things, whatever they were called, where you could, like, skate around the gym after school. It was like yeah, an event, yeah, you know. I forgot what they called them. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure there was a name for them. But there I was, however old I was at that point, super young, and I had a Coal Chamber shirt on, and this was the first time I met Brian Regal, and he came up to me, and he was like, holy shit, like, you listen to Coal Chamber, and I was like, yeah, actually I do, and I don't even know how much time we spent together after the fact, I, I, I don't know, but like, talk about just one of those chance encounters, and that was a thing back in the day, you know, like, because social media wasn't a thing, you met people much more organically. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's how... You saw somebody in your shirt, and you're like, shit, yeah. And, and I don't care how it makes me sound, but back then, you didn't wear those shirts because it was cool to wear those shirts. You wear those shirts because you listened to the bands. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it wasn't like a fashion statement to wear a Slayer shirt. Yeah. You wore a fucking Slayer shirt, you listened to Slayer, because you knew someone was going to ask you about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and it was just kind of... It's kind of a cool memory that I remembered, like, that particular... Like, just such an odd time. And he's... A few years older than me, and I remember being, like, not intimidated, but, like, holy shit, this older kid's talking to me because I got a cold, you know. Um, so that was kind of a fun one, too. Uh, I don't know, man. I, these ones are tough because, again, like, as soon as this is done, I'm going to have 
80 million more to talk about. But we've covered it. We've covered a lot of shit yeah. in this yeah. particular one. And I, like, again, if I... Uh, oh, it's 3.11 day. Happy 3.11 day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Hans, I, if you, again, if you hear this, I had to put that out there because I just remembered it. I don't know, man. Anything else? I think I thought we were going to go over, but we're we're right on time here, and I think I uh, I'm glad that the pace was able to be what it was because I, I was kind of worried that we were just like going to try to fit too much shit, you yeah. know, yeah. five pounds in a two pound bag. But that's not what we did. Um, I am stoked as fuck about the next two that we've got coming up. I will. I'm going to tell you about the next one because this is not something in 11 episodes that I even thought we would do. Only because, I guess in the beginning of this, I I had this vision, and I put, you know, I, I put it to you in, in such a way that, like, it was going to be, like, more about horror movies and things like that. But as we've evolved and progressed here, I found that it's more fun to kind of deviate, and, we, and we'll always For do sure. horror movies. You know, that that is where we come from. That is still, to this day, the primary, primarily of what I watch. But the next one's going to be about comedies. And I don't have an episode title for it yet, but like, I'm pretty stoked about this because this is what I will say: I I don't watch comedies very rarely, and even more rare is there one that like I will actually laugh at outside of, and I'm not going to get too much into it. Um, outside of like Mel Brooks catalog, yeah, you know what I mean. Yep. That we'll touch on that when we get to it. Um, and I'll get some posts up so you guys can comment and, and give us some suggestions and stuff like that too. But um, I think that's going to be a fun direction. So next one's going to be about comedies. Um, yeah, and I, I'm not going to give Lucky Number 13 away. I, I'm really stoked about that one. That's one we've been talking about since the beginning. Um, so stay tuned. That's it. Uh, yo, I appreciate everybody listening. Hopefully this puts us over the 300 mark. Also, I discovered tonight too that... Um, I am able to do video recordings of us. If you guys, I mean, there's nothing exciting happening here. We're literally just drinking beers, talking shit, but let me know how you guys feel. If anybody's interested in in watching it, I can stream it live, so on and so forth. Um, that's it. Yeah. All right. We will, uh, talk to you next time. Bye.